how was your experience being an artist growing up, middle school, high school? Well, I was very reserved. Um, I would be what they would call the quiet kid. Uh, in terms of being picked on, though, not that much. Uh, I, I would say the thing is that having some kind of artistic ability was a sort of saving grace. I mean, people uh, were amazed by what, if they're amazed by what you do, they're less likely to pick a fight with you. Welcome to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast, where paradigms shift. Impossible becomes I'm possible, and weirdos are exposed for who they really are pure geniuses with your host who walked from Chicago to LA just because he could the one and only Mr. Weirdo, AKA Rashid Huda. Good morning, Thaddeus. How are you? I'm great, sir. And how are you? I am blessed as always. And you don't have to be formal. You don't need to call me, sir. We can just keep this conversational on an <clears throat> informal basis, so. Okay, it, it's a force of habit. Thaddeus, that's an interesting name. Where did you get it? Well, um, my mother, when she was young, she used to work at a grocery store and there was a young man that used to come in there. Um, his name was Thaddeus, his name, actually full name was Thaddeus Sanders. And she happened to like the name. So uh, when I was born, she decided to, to name me that. Um, her other uh, choice was George. So I'm glad she uh, picked that. <laughs> I met you at a birthday party. Right. Where I was twisting balloons. And you were doing portraits. And we briefly talked and I mentioned the name of my podcast, and your reaction was, that's my kind of podcast. And uh, we talked a little bit, and I asked you if you'd be interested, and here we are. So I don't know a whole lot about you, and my audience knows practically nothing about you. So take about two, three minutes and educate us. Who is Thaddeus? Okay, well, I was born in Port Texas. It's about 100 miles east of Houston. If you get to Baytown, you keep going for another 45 minutes and you get there. Um, I uh, moved to Houston about 20 years ago, around the time that I got married, uh, as well as the time that uh, the, the ad agency that I was working for, they were branching out from Beaumont to Houston. So um, it was kind of uh, fortuitous that both of those were happening at the same time. Uh, I am a school teacher currently. Uh, I teach art and design in the A-Leaf School District. And um, as a side job, I am a graphic designer and illustrator. And from time to time, I do uh, things like caricatures, which is uh, why you met me at the birthday party, because that's one of the many side gigs that I happen to do from time to time. Um, but that that's pretty much uh, me in a nutshell. Uh, I spend a lot of time working. I'm always busy between teaching and and uh, graphic design and illustration. They're, you know, it's pretty static. What are you always an art teacher? 
No, this is my, this is the eighth school year that I'm in education. This is the fourth school year that I was an art, art teacher. Uh, when I decided to become a teacher in the certification process, uh, when I finished with that program, they said, well, you can't start teaching art. You have to teach a, a, a core subject for a while before you can teach art. And so uh, I chose ELA, um, English and Reading, because uh, I do have an interest in um, reading and writing. Uh, by the time I, before I became a teacher, uh, I did uh, layout work as well as writing for several magazines. Um, and that, that began in high school because I worked on the, the uh, school literary magazine. So it was something that extended onto my professional life. Uh, but yeah, um, that, that's, that's pretty much that. Oh, that. It, so in addition to being a gra graphic artist, you're also a writer, published writer. Yes. Uh, one of the magazines I did, it, uh, was, uh, something that was published in Beaumont. It was called Cush Magazine. Um, it ran for almost 10 years um there are several other magazines i did at the time but that that's the one that gets the most notoriety in fact uh i was at school the other day and uh the receptionist for one of the academies is also from beaumont and um she didn't know we we had talked about the fact that i lived in that area but she didn't know that i actually was the art director for that magazine and so we were having a conversation about it. Um, she was telling me that the there was uh, some people used to think that the name of the magazine meant something drug related. I said no, it actually is an acronym. It was on the bottom of the cover in every issue. You know, it was the the spelling was C U S H, and the acronym was for connecting. Um, I'm gonna get this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> connecting, understanding, strengthening, heartening. I think the U is something else, but I'm not sure what it is about looking at it, which, which is odd, considering I used to look at it for about 10 years. But um, yeah, so lots of people used to remember that magazine. Right. So when did you start getting into art or drawing or illustration or whatever you want to call it? Uh, how did that interest come about? I found out that I had an interest in art at four years old. And um, after that, I started drawing on any and everything. Um, you know, I didn't have art supplies readily. Uh, I would spend a lot of time at my grandmother's house. And she happened to have a lot of uh, photo albums. You know, when photo albums around that time, they mm -hmm. just had the, the sort of manila sheets inside them that you attach the photographs in. Well, it looked like perfect art paper to me. So I used to draw a lot of those. Um, as um, I got older, I continued to do it. Uh, I would say seventh grade was the point where I made a conscious decision to not just copy things that I saw, but draw things in my own way. And so uh, I would spend a lot of time in the library uh, um, checking out books about anatomy uh, to make sure that I draw characters anatomically correct. Um, I 
had a big interest in comic book superheroes, so I spent a lot of time drawing that. Uh, but I did teach myself uh, anatomy. And so I would say that other things that I do draw, um, drawing figures is a, a primary focus of mine when I just want to draw for myself. But uh, that's something I, I, I happen to like a lot. Okay. So that's what, how, how long from middle school until now? What's the number of years that you have been interested? Uh, well, so uh, I was 13 in middle school and I'm 57 now. So that's a very long time. Um, and uh, I would say about 1988 would be the time that you could say that I started doing um, illustration and design work professionally because uh, on, a, on a basic level, I started working at a, a t-shirt shop designing uh, shirt designs. And I uh, said from about 1988 to about 1991, I did that. Uh, then I got hired at, uh, it was actually a company that made medical equipment, but it had its own in-house advertising agency. And so they hired me as a designer uh, for that. Um, that's where I end up uh, learning how to uh, work in programs like Photoshop and other programs uh, that graphic designers use. I mean, they were you know, they were, they were just starting to transition from paste up layout to doing things on computer, and so we bugged our art director to get us the software, and she talked the higher ups into doing that, and so it was like we were ravenous. So we we didn't wait for anybody to teach us. We taught ourselves. Um, and if you've ever seen Photoshop, it's one of those programs that you can teach yourself how to use it, but it's highly possible that you will never teach yourself everything in Photoshop because there's at least three or four different ways to do one thing, or you might concentrate in a certain area of how to do it. For me, I was, uh, I pretty much use it for photo editing as well as digital illustration. Um, so those areas I'm pretty proficient with. Uh, there's some things that they've added on over the years that I haven't quite got a chance to teach myself, but um, there's always time and I'm always in Photoshop. So uh, a lot of programs that I've used, I've, I've taught myself how to use them. Right, so you not only do physical art, you also do computer art as well. Yes, yes. Um, and that's been going on since the early 1990s. Uh, I bought myself a, a pen tablet. It's one of those little um, tablets mm -hmm. that connects to the computer and you can draw um, on the tablet and it uh, draws into whatever file you're working in. Uh, I used to use the ones that didn't have a screen on it, but um, by the time the 2000s roll around, I was able to afford to buy a Oh, I say Wacom, but I, I think the actual pronunciation is Wacom tablets, and they have like the screen, the, the monitor screen on it, so it looks like you're drawn directly onto whatever um, image area that you're working from. So that's what I've been using. Um, there, that's a, it's a great product uh, because 
I, I have one that I use, and I cannot tell you how old it is. It, it, it's at least over 10 years old, but it hasn't broken down or anything like that. Um, I think it's like the early Apple products. They made their product too well. They didn't have any uh, built-in obsolescence in it. So uh, at the point in which I do need to get another tablet, but I will, but it's been over a decade, and it's, it works just fine. Now, I don't know what your taste in music is, but I like rock and roll. And one of my favorite bands from those 70s is REO Speedwagon. Uh-huh. And they had a song called She Doesn't Like the Tough Guys. And that story of him being an artist and playing music and not being the tough guy and getting beat up by how was your experience being an artist growing up, middle school, high school? Well, I was very reserved. Um, I would be what they would call the quiet kid. Uh, in terms of being picked on though, not that much. Uh, I, I would say the thing is that having some kind of artistic ability was a sort of saving grace. I mean, people, uh, were amazed by what, if they're amazed by what you do, they're less likely to pick a fight with you, you know, more than likely to request you to draw something for them. So I didn't encounter any sort of uh, instances of bullying. Um, yeah, I pretty much, uh, I would consider myself to be something of a loner. And this is something that annoys my wife because she sometimes says, well, why do you, do you even get married? Because you like to be alone so much. And I do love my family. I love my wife. But in those moments where they say, hey, I'm going out to my mother's, I'm like, oh, great. I'm by myself. I can do things like draw and be uninterrupted and stuff. So uh, I, I like the sort of solitude and being able to draw things that I like to do. It's, it's therapeutic. Um, it's calming. And I like to do it as much as possible. I don't know if you remember that or not, but when I said embrace your, in your inner weirdo and you said, that's my kind of podcast. Right. Um, what made you feel that way? I have always been drawn to things that people would consider weird. Uh, my favorite artist is Salvador Dali. He's a surrealist or was a surrealist painter. Um, if you've seen, yeah, everyone's seen his work, even whether or not they know that he did it or not. If you uh, ever seen anything related to the painting where you have like the melting clocks, that's that's one of his uh, major paintings. It's called The Persistence of Memory. Um, I do enjoy his work. I, and that's why I embrace surrealism. I don't get to do it that often, but at times I like to draw surreal um, sort of pieces. Um, in terms of, say, uh, film, one of my favorite um, directors is David Lynch. Uh, if people know David Lynch, they know that he's, he's a very avant-garde American director. Uh, he's directed movies like Blue Velvet and uh, Eraserhead, which is a very, 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 very strange movie. Uh, but he's also done some commercial work Although he still managed to maintain his sort of off-kilter look at things. He directed the first uh, Dune movie 
back in the 80s, uh, which people still either love or hate. Uh, and he also directed a movie called The Straight Story, which was essentially a man driving from one place to the other on a tractor. Probably the most normal film that he's ever done, even though the premise kind of doesn't seem that normal. Um, but he's, he's, I would say he's very out there. I'm, I'm drawn to artists and creative people who manage to have different perspectives. Um, you mentioned that you like rock music. I didn't get to answer that. My tastes range all over the place. When I was 19, I uh, discovered Jimi Hendrix and Jimi Hendrix is sort of the gateway to all forms of rock. Um, yeah. So my tastes run very varied. I, I, uh, I always like to play a trick on my students because a lot of times they think they know what type of person you are and what type of music you listen to. I say, oh, Mr. Lavalis, he probably likes jazz. He's probably a smooth jazz guy. I say, I'm gonna put the name of a band that I like on the board and I want you to look, at, look up on the board what they look like. And the name of the band is Slipknot. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but Slipknot is a group of about nine guys from Iowa. And um, you can say that they're sort of the spiritual uh, children of bands like Kiss who perform in theatrically with makeup. They don't wear makeup, but they all wear masks. And they wear these like really horrifying masks. They kind of look like um, if you imagine Michael, it's like a band full of nine Michael Myers, basically. Um, and it's very like hard, heavy metal. But I just, I just tell them to look up the bands to <laughs> to get their reaction when they see the pictures of them. They go, oh, because <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not smooth jazz. And the ones that do know, they kind of smile and go, yeah, it's 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 pretty different. So. Um, I feel like I'm different, a weirdo, so to speak, in a way that uh, my tastes aren't conventional. There are areas that they are conventional, but there are things that I do like that um, are unusual or different. Um, and I, I feel like that defines me in this way. I sometimes feel like I'm not as weird as I would like to be, uh, but I, I do have an interest in things that are considered weird. What point in your life did you realize that you didn't fit in and at what point you said the heck with it I'll just be myself fit in or not well this is a large time frame between those two I would say that at the point that I realized I like to draw was probably also the same time that I realized I was different which is about four you know you play around you play with the kids in the neighborhood and um in terms of how self-aware you are at that, at that point, you know that you're not the the kid who goes out and plays football and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so that's the earliest point where I realized that I was different. The point at which I embraced it, I would say technically is fairly recent. Um, when you're younger and the term midlife crisis comes up you think it's kind of funny because you think oh there's that old guy with that uh red <laughs> corvette and he's afraid he's afraid of death but then 
when you get older, you actually have a working understanding of what midlife crisis is. And essentially what it is, is that you get, you can no longer say that you're, you've got time. Cause at some point you realize, Hey, if I'm in my fifties, it's, we're heading toward that thing that we don't know about in terms of what happens next. So you start taking stock in what you've done up to that point. Have you done everything that you wanted to do? Have you, um, have you taken the attitude that whatever I do, this is the thing that I want to be identified by. And when you take stock of that, if you haven't, then it sort of affects how you react and do things from that point. So um, for me, uh, the real point at which I started thinking about that was that uh, my mother, when she passed away, she was 55. So at about 53, I started thinking about it a little. I was like, well, she was 55, and I'm getting close to that age. Um, my mother didn't marry my biological father, but uh, his sister had contacted me. And not only did she say that he died about the same age, but all of his brothers also died around that age. So if you have two parents that both died in their 50s, you're like, well, I don't know the law of averages. I mean, it doesn't say that you will absolutely pass away in your 50s, but there's always a chance. Have you done everything that you want to do? And I started taking stock and I just like, well, you know, there's a point where you have to realize that you have to do what it is that you want. One of the things that uh, I did want to mention for sure is that when I was young and first developed a sort of interest in drawing, my relatives saw my interests. And the first thing that they would say was, well, you're really good, but you know that artists don't actually get famous and make money until after they die. We're just sort of thinking that people, I think, had around that time. Uh, but the irony of it is this. Um, I grew up in Port Arthur. And as I mentioned to you when we first met, uh, one of the greatest artists of the 20th century was Robert Rauschenberg. He was also born and raised in Port Arthur. But the thing is, not that many people knew Robert Rauschenberg. I mean, if you know anything about it, he managed to be very comfortable financially and do what he wanted throughout his life. You know, he lived to be a fairly old age and, and passed away. But the idea that his works probably did um, become more uh, valuable and expensive after he died, sure. But while he was alive, his work was valuable and expensive. So, um, as I got to this point, I kind of got to um, start thinking about the fact that my career was based on avoiding this thing that I was told when I was young. I didn't become a quote unquote artist as that guy who sat at home and did big canvases and helped to sell them. I said, well, what can I do creatively uh, that I can still make money at? And I'm an old man. so. Uh, one of the things I used to watch when I was a kid was Bewitched. And, you know, uh, you had Darren Stevens, who was a commercial artist. He dressed in the fancy suits. He would go to the, go work at the agency and got to create ads and things like that. I said, well, he has a cool job. So uh, when, it came, 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 when it came time for college, 
Um, and I had to figure out my, my major. I decided on commercial art. That was probably like the last point that it was called commercial art. Probably like halfway between my uh, tenure at Lamar is when they started calling graphic design. So um, Darren Stevens is responsible for me being a graphic designer. But at this point, I've done every possible thing that, could you, that you could do graphic design-wise. I've done books, magazines, um, all sorts of things for all types of people. The problem with graphic design is that very thing. You're doing all sorts of things for other people. You're realizing their wishes and dreams and not catering to your own. So I've taken to deciding to gradually phase out of doing graphic design and lean more toward being an artist, doing art because I want to do it. One of the things I've been doing is that if I see someone that I think is uh, looks interesting, I'll ask them if I can um, do their portrait and I'll get a picture of them. And um, when I have time, I actually work on doing portraits of these people. It gives me practice, but it will, as well as that, it makes me feel better because I'm in control of what it is that I'm creating. This is art that I'm doing, not because someone hired me to do it, but because I have an interest in do it, doing it. Um, I met a young woman at the beginning of the year who I thought looked really interesting. I could not figure out what her nationality was. Uh, I, I could tell that she probably, if she was Caucasian, she wasn't completely Caucasian. She looked nearly Hispanic, but not necessarily. And so uh, I struck up a conversation with her and found out that her father was Filipino and her mother was Native American and Italian. And the combination of these different groups created a, in my estimation, be a very beautiful young woman. So I said, hey, can I do artwork with you? I find your look interesting. And uh, the deal was that the things that I did, the physical pieces, I would just do them again her and uh but what eventually happened was uh i had an idea for a digital piece um with her as a subject and the thing about inspiration when it comes and when it fuels what you're doing artistically it's the thing that makes the best work and so when i completed this port this digital portrait of her i could just stare i just stared at it for a very long time, because one, I couldn't believe that I did it. Um, I think the the motivation of like being inspired to do it made me want to do my best work. So it is at this point the best thing that I've done. So um, I was able to send it to her digitally, and she loved it. Uh, I uh, got two posters of it printed. That's how much I like it. I have one in my studio and one in my room at school. I often reference it. When I'm trying to encourage the students to uh, do their best work, I tell them, I said, well, you can't get to this point, and I will point to that, that poster, without spending the time to make sure that you understand the basic elements of art, use basic shapes and things like that. So uh, 
that's that's where I am now, and it makes me a lot happier to do things for people. Like I don't charge them anything; I give them the work. Um, what I get out of it is the sort of happiness and therapeutic nature of actually doing it. So it's kind of a thing where um, everybody walks away happy. I'm happy because I get to do it. It makes me feel better about the ability I have. And also it uh, makes the people who are subject of this artwork happy. So two questions at this point. One, where can somebody see that? Do you have a place where uh, you have displayed it online that uh, people can look at it? Uh, well, if you look me up on Facebook profile, it's so that pretty much anybody, it's not, it's, not, it's not hidden or things aren't blocked or anything like that. You can pretty much see everything I post. Um, if you go somewhere around to July of this year, I, I posted that image. Um, and I give a long story about, you know, um, how it came about. Uh, so it's, it's, the title of it is called Goddess Avarice. Um, and basically it's, uh, uh, you, you'll see a, a young woman. It's done in the style of a artist from the turn of, turn of the 20th century called Alphonse Mucha. Um, his, he tend to draw pictures of beautiful women in long flowing dresses and the background elements usually involve some form of framing device and some um, form of flowers or flora. So uh, that kind of inspired me along with the conversations that I used to have with her about what motivated her. Um, avarice is, if you actually look up the word, is not necessarily a positive uh, word. It means it kind of almost means greedy, but what she explained to me was that when she grew up, she had a, her family had a very hard life. They were kind of poor. Um, and it was a certain amount of tragedy in her life. Uh, her, the thing that motivates her that as well as calms her is when she works and actually can be productive in um, getting money. She says that Money is her love language, you know, and it's very hard to judge her uh, in terms of being someone who, like, you know, we tend to think badly people who are, in our estimation, um, greedy and only want to be, make a lot of money. But for her, it provides a calming effect. It's, it's a certain security in her being able to get something that her family struggled to get when she was younger. So. Um, when I called that, that artwork Goddess Avarice, it wasn't a negative. It was more of a, a sort of commentary on what made her who she was. Chris Rock said, money is not about stuff. Money is about having options. That's what basically I think that's what she's saying, that having money gives her calm because she knows she has options. You're right. You're right. I, I, I'm sure she would agree with you if she, she heard you say that. A suggestion. If it's on Facebook, pin the post so everybody can see it every time. That's the first thing they'll see, and then they can scroll down and see other things. 
So I also want to mention, um, I do have a, a sort of a um, thing on Facebook for my business and it's under looks good on paper. Um, that artwork is also in that. I, I unfortunately don't post in it as much as I should, but it does show a sampling of a lot of my work over the years as far as illustration work and graphic design work. So the second question, what is your definition of success? Well, unlike my friend, it, it's not money. Um, and that's the thing that she found surprising when she told me what she told me about how she feels about money. I said, well, I don't, um, our family didn't grow up rich, but they were a working class middle family. They were working middle class family. And uh, my father worked as a shipbuilder. Um, my mother spent most of the, the years that we were growing up as a stay-at-home mom. Eventually, as we got old enough to be fairly self-sufficient, she uh, she did work at a tailor shop. Now, she did um, she was a housewife, but she was also a seamstress. So she did a lot of work at home. So you can say in that way that she has influenced my work ethic in terms of uh, doing things for other people. I do have a, a site that shows my work. I'm currently working on trying to do something else along the same lines. Um, I don't know if it'll be better than the last one I did. Uh, there was a lot of energy that went into that. I, 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 I'm sometimes surprised at how focused I was because every time I, I sat down to work on it, I said, whatever I do on this work right now has to be the best possible um, way that I can do it. And that's stayed that way the entire time. It didn't take a long time to do, but it came, it's, I would say the best feeling an artist can have is when something not only comes out as good as you envision it, but comes out better than you envision it. It was exactly what I saw in my head, but even more so. Again, what's your definition of success? Success is being able to do the things that you want and get a form of happiness or contentment about it. I'm sorry if I went on track, but that actually is that actually is the answer. That that work makes me feel successful. Would you say your success is because you're weird or despite of the fact that you're weird? Oh, definitely because I'm weird. If you're quote unquote normal, that means you sort of um, gravitate towards the things that normal people do, which means you might be a social animal. You're, you're looking to be around people, do things with people. Uh, your happiness lies in that sort of interaction. My happiness relies in what happens in solitude when you can create or you can experience the things that others have done that are different from the average in every day. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not it's not uh, it's not being with other people. It's not that normality of wanting to have all the friends and do all the things. I mean, I consider myself to only have, aside from my wife, two friends. Um, I know a lot of people, but in terms of the people that I contact and talk about uh, the things that concern me or my happiness, you know, the people that know where the bodies are buried. Like that phrase, like, like the way you put it into perspective. Hey, Thaddeus, I do appreciate your time and talking with us and uh, 
giving us insights into what it is to be a weirdo and successful artist at the same time. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, hire you, give you some money to do the things that brings you joy, where would they find you? Well, um, as I said, probably you sh you can message, even if you're, we're not Facebook friends, I probably can't be messaged on Facebook. Um, I am also a professional on Thumbtack, which is in an indirect way how we met because the person that hired me to do caricatures at the event that we were at hired me through uh, Thumbtack. So it's a, it's a site where people go to uh, hire individuals with certain professions, not just art, but say electricians, plumbers, things like that. And so um, I do have a profile on there as far as being contacted. Before we part, what would you say to people who want to embrace their inner weirdo, but they're not sure how to? I would say that it's all, there's always a point where you can realize that you should be who you are. Um, a lot of us spend our time being concerned about what other people think. That's the first thing you have to get rid of. Um, you feel a lot better when you are exactly who you are, when you dress the way you want to, when you listen to what you want to. Uh, even when you say what you want to, independent of how you expect um, other people's reactions to be, if you can do that and be true to yourself, then that's where happiness is. Well, hey, Thaddeus, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your presence. And most importantly, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you thinking that I was um, <laughs> uh, worthy of the time to uh, give um, some information about myself. Well, you know, that's the weirdo in me. I look for kindred souls wherever I can find them. Well, you have a blessed day, and we'll talk again. Keep in touch. Thank you for listening to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast, where we debunk the myth that weirdo is a four-letter word. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Share it with a friend and leave a tip if you like the show.